0: Looking at issues without taking sides. That's what Agenda Alexandria has been doing since 1998. Everything from capacity in our schools to the political environment to the sewer outfalls to affordable housing. There's no issue. That's off the table.
1: On the Agenda is the podcast version of Agenda Alexandria, where we invite in key decision makers and experts to our studio to get a sense of what's really going on in Alexandria. I'm Eileen Cassidy Rivera. And I'm Michael Pope. And this is On, on the, the Agenda. agenda. agenda today affordable housing Eileen you know on the campaign trail in Alexandria there is no topic that receives more discussion than affordable housing when candidates are running for city council they're running for mayor they are constantly talking about the issue of affordable housing and how Alexandria has lost so much affordable housing it's one of those issues where people talk about it a lot but they don't always know the details about how affordable housing works well that's what we're going to talk about today on the agenda, and we've got the best panelists to, to help us through this issue. Helen McElvain is the Director of the Office of Housing in Alexandria, and Kayla Hornbrook is Communications Associate at the Alexandria Housing Development Corporation. Um, and we are going to set the table for our discussion by going to the Agenda Alexandria stage, where uh, Agenda Alexandria recently discussed the issue of affordable housing and a panel, a very lively panel, uh, One of the things that we always do at Agenda Alexandria is take questions from the audience. And it was one of these questions that uh, had a very interesting interchange here between Frank Fannin, who is the vice chairman of Agenda Alexandria. uh, And And
0: a a former city councilman. And a former Mm -hmm. city councilman.
1: uh, And Michelle Crocker, uh, who is the head of the Northern Virginia Affordable Housing Alliance. So let's see what happened on the Agenda Alexandria stage, and then we'll circle back around and talk about it.
2: There's a pretty pointed question here, and um, I'll, I'll even try to answer this one. It says, why is there no voice on the panel against affordable housing? Okay. So, the topic of our conversation is affordable housing, affordable for who? So is there anybody in this room, no matter what your income is or what your bracket is, that you wouldn't want to have access to affordable housing? Okay. So, okay. So, if you if you want to live somewhere and not be able to pay, that's fine. Okay. So. Here's a here's a real life example. So I've been in the mortgage business for years. I just did a loan recently for a woman in Delray. She's lived there for 40 years. She has a home worth about $700,000. She makes $60,000 a year, and she has to now probably leave Alexandria. She wants to stay here, but she came up and just said, you know, my tax bill is $9,000 a year to live here in the city of Alexandria. So even though her net worth is maybe $500,000 if she sold her house, she doesn't have affordable housing. So there's wealthy people that don't have affordable housing. So it's a it's a um, it's, it's a problem on all levels here in the city of Alexandria. And so this woman's solution is she's selling her home. She's going to take her money and move to the Shenandoah Valley, even though she doesn't want to do that. But that's where she can find uh, affordable housing. Sure.
3: I think there's also a question of values who we are as a city Um, do we want to become a city of haves and have-nots do we value the diversity both economic racial social in our city that's what makes Alexandria vibrant and thriving so uh, housing affordability again uh, is not just for the household that lives in it there are a whole host of reasons that are good for the community Um, there are Um, There's a mountain of study and statistics about uh, a child's educational outcomes when they live in stable, affordable housing. Um, There are mountains of studies about the value to our transportation system when we have housing for the workforce near our transit areas. So there are lots of good reasons. There are lots of community benefits that uh, happen when we have housing choices in the community.
1: So one of the most interesting things there is that question, it was a very pointed question, which is at the heart of our discussion, which is why is this something that anybody should care about, right? Why is this something that a city government should invest money in preserving and creating? Helen, I'll put the question to you. Um, Why do this? Why have affordable housing? Why is this something people should be concerned about and invest in?
4: Well, I think uh, a few things, first, the housing master plan looked at sort of a housing for all the people's life circumstances change as they age and go through different life stages and so uh, a person may uh, the example of someone who is aging in their home but can no longer pay the real estate taxes. I hope hope they've looked into some of the city's property tax relief uh, programs, but uh, that's something we hear about a lot, that people, uh, as they uh, get onto fixed incomes, may not be able to, to remain in Alexandria or need modifications to their homes. I think uh, the other thing that we tried to do when we were doing the Housing Master Plan was to give people the idea of how critical having um, a range of workers was to our local economy. Uh, Many uh, households depend on healthcare providers, on uh, daycare uh, providers, on nannies, um, on house cleaners. Uh, we all depend on folks to wait on us at the restaurants and in service occupations, and our, our uh, economy as a place that offers hospitality uh, also has just a series of jobs um, that... Uh, people need housing affordability. So I think one of the big takeaways from the housing master plan was having uh, housing affordability is critical to having uh, both a, a vibrant economy and a place that is competitive and attractive to employers. And I think the other reason to do it is just as Michelle was saying that you know, one of uh, Alexandria's core values its in our strategic plan is that we are a diverse and welcoming community and uh, we are an inclusive community. And the way we demonstrate that the best is by providing housing affordability.
1: And Kayla, I'll put the same question to you. Mm -hmm. So uh, with your work in the Alexandria Housing Development Corporation, um, why is affordable housing a goal and how does your organization help accomplish that?
5: So affordable housing, like Michelle said, like Helen said, is um, critical to making sure that we have a diverse and vibrant economy and that we have a diverse and vibrant culture as well. I think somewhere in the uh, video, they say that 50% of the Alexandria population turns over every six years. And I think in one of my previous jobs, I was fortunate enough to work with people who um, had been in Alexandria for decades, 50 to 60. And um, they have stories that can talk about what Potomac Yard looked like decades ago. And uh, to be able to ha- kind of have that institutional preservation, Affording, uh, f- housing affordability is a part of that narrative um, so that younger folks like myself can get here and stay here and put down roots here. In addition to everything that's very valuable and true about um, making sure that our hospitality and our retail workers and our healthcare workers and our education professionals um, can live in the city as well. Um, what we do to make that easier as a uh, nonprofit developer is we build those units. So we build units um, utilizing a a variety of financial um, incentives and instruments that are available to the nonprofit development community um, to provide that housing.
0: What uh, what I find so interesting is that I think it was 1979 was that uh, Alexandria became one of the first jurisdictions in the country to have Mm -hmm. a resolution. It was resolution 830, right? Yeah. Are you all familiar with with that? And um, that for every um, unit of affordable housing that would be either like torn down or redeveloped, that the city would have to uh, resurrect or build one to replace it, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a long time ago, right? That
1: was Can I piggyback on this yeah. because Helen actually alerted me to the interesting history of the creation of the resolution uh-huh. 830 which has to do with the create with the construction of the uh, Braddock Road Metro Station, right, which used to be the location of uh, public housing. It was demolished to build the metro station. So, H- Helen, talk about the creation of Resolution 830.
4: Well, I think both because of the condition of some of the public housing and as well as the fact uh, it's, its location that uh, potentially... Uh, got in the way of some of the, the city's uh, very necessary economic development and transportation projects, uh, City Council, in what I think is one of its finest hours, um, said we Too want- few of those. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, I, I would say I, I, uh, I don't agree with that. Uh, but, but just it, a little joke. Just a little joke. But, you know, Frankly, when you read Resolution 830, it says, we want people, we want the residents of public housing to live in security. So I think that word that came up earlier, security. And so uh, with the housing authority, they agreed that if a public housing unit were demolished or redeveloped. Right. There would be security both in terms of identifying replacement units that would be substantially equivalent as well as all of the other things that occur during redevelopment like what's going to happen during the relocation and how mm-hmm. will people's you know rights be protected. So the language is, is really very awesome. We're in a process right now to modernize it but it. Uh, I would say it's a commitment. The other thing just in terms of the context it reflects the fact that at that time uh, ARHA was really the main housing pro- housing affordability provider. Today, we're very fortunate. We have a uh, an environment where we have AHDC, the organization that is with, as well as many other nonprofit and private developers who are interested in providing housing affordability.
1: All right, now, at this point in our discussion, I wanna get in the time machine and go back to the 1980s when Alexandria created the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. Um, which, you know, the 1980s was a time when Alexandria was rapidly losing its stock of affordable housing. And there was lots of concern about government employees, restaurant workers uh, being priced out of the city. And so uh, Vola Lawson, who was a city manager at the time, uh, wanted to do something about this. She's quoted in the newspapers of the times as uh, having a press conference, and she's quoted saying, uh, for low-income families, this is the worst of times. Um Vola was very literary on uh, her She speech. was. Uh, this is a crisis of epic proportions. Um, and so she got together with Tom Davis and a few other Former leaders. congressman from Northern Virginia. He, well, he was congressman at the time. Oh, he was. Um, that's right. Uh, I'm sorry. No, wait a second. I think he was with the Fairfax County at the time. Yeah, he was the yeah, Fairfax right. County supervisor right. at the time. This is before he was in Congress. Uh, and so it was Vola Lawson and Fairfax supervisor uh, Tom Davis and Arlington County Board member Al Eisenberg and they got together sort of as a sort of to do something about affordable housing crisis at the time uh, from a regional perspective. but um, but Helen, talk about the creation of the Affordable Housing Trust Fund back in the 1980s. was this uh, was Alexandria kind of a pioneer ahead of its time?
4: We absolutely were. We were maybe the first, but among the first jurisdictions, even to think about uh, what tools do we need to preserve and produce affordable housing. And the trust fund was uh, the result of that. And it is primarily a, a voluntary contribution that's made by developers. Uh, and it recognizes that the city needs funds in order to be able to work with partners and save or produce housing.
0: Helen, can I ask you just a quick question? I didn't mean to interrupt, but you talk about a voluntary Contribution, so it's really up to the developer if that developer wants to contribute. Is there any? Or is there any incentive for them to?
1: to... Bonus density.
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and with bonus density, we actually that in the case of bonus density, we can actually require on-site affordable housing. But no, the financial contributions, monetary contributions, are actually voluntary. I think the reason we've had such good cooperation and support for that is that we've worked with the development community to Mm -hmm. develop those uh, rates and sort of policy uh, guidelines around it. And I think that, uh, you know, people, I will say also in other jurisdictions, developers do it as well. So they know that that's uh, potentially an expectation of development, but I think in Alexandria um, they uh, respect the fact that our city council is very Uh, interested in this issue and is probably going to be looking at development and saying, uh, what uh, is the developer potentially offering to support our affordable housing program?
1: So now, in the 80s and in the 90s, the approach to affordable housing was very different back then than the way uh, people approach it now like with the Housing Development Corporation didn't exist in the 80s and 90s, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, what in those early years, um, the, the goal of the city, or essentially the way that this city approached uh, the goal of preserving affordable housing was to essentially get its hands on garden apartments, right? Uh, These are places built in the 1940s, 1950s, um, and so Helen, talk a little bit about the early years of the trust fund and the way the city went about accomplishing this goal of preserving affordable housing.
4: Sure, well most of the money in the affordable housing trust fund at that time was used to acquire and renovate garden stock, just as you said, and to then uh, put in a program that would keep rents affordable at certain uh, income levels. And this was partly because uh, the city had, uh, as you mentioned, had been tracking where are rents going? And the the units were there. So when we say they were lost, the the units remained. But the rents had gone up so much that people at uh, different income bands could no longer afford them. And so the idea was let's save the stuff that everyone recognizes provides sort of a a market affordable uh, price point.
1: And, And you know who talks about this is one of our Agenda Alexandria panelists Keith Pettigrew, who's the head of the Public Housing Authority in Alexandria, known as ARHA, and so if we have, we're going to look at uh, soundbite number two here, where on the Agenda Alexandria stage, Keith Pettigrew talks about the importance of preserving affordable housing in terms of who benefits from it.
6: When I was in New Orleans, a question came up about land, the value of the land, and why don't we sell the land and have those people that have been living there move someplace else. But it's a basic thing for me. This is their neighborhood too. And whatever we can do to help them come back to their neighborhood, we should. So I understand when people ask about public funds and why, why not people move to places where they can obviously live, and a lot of people do. But also, you gotta understand something, it's their neighborhood too. And they should have a right to come back. And if we can figure out a way to fund it, and to bring them back to the neighborhood, we should always do that, so. And
1: now I want us to get back into our time machine again and mm-hmm. fast forward to the creation of the Alexandria Housing Development Corporation, which was 2004. 2004, okay. So um, what the heck is the Housing Development Corporation?
5: Right, so um, HTC was founded in 2004. City Council and a citizen work group came together and said we need to have a, a local nonprofit option that can do work exclusively in the city to help us deal with the housing affordability issues that we're seeing, including um, you know this is the run-up to 2008 housing market's getting hotter, and they birth HDC from that process. So um, we're a, a nonprofit. We work very closely with the city, but we're not a city agency. Um, but we only develop within Alexandria, so we um, we can provide local smaller solutions to things so that. Um, other developers in the area might not approach. Um, In addition, because we have such a close working relationship with the city, um, we're able to respond to needs that we see coming down uh, the development line in a a very tactile way. So uh, we are founded in 2004, and then our first project was the station, which opened in 2009, Um, and the station is a, it was at its time uh, a first-of-its-kind partnership between a nonprofit developer and the Alexandria Fire Department. So the Potomac Yard area needs a new fire station and um, from what I was reading, it was in the Alexandria Times yesterday, um, somebody said it would be uh, a waste of airspace to let that one story fire station never have something that goes above it. And um, so they worked with the developer and brought HDC on board and we developed the station. So there's um, a fire station on the ground level and then above that there's sixty four units of affordable housing including a uh, garden terrace which we went out and looked at today beautiful um, we provide uh, fresh produce to our, our residents who live there with this garden terrace that is situated over the fire station entry exit port for uh its, its vehicles I, fire trucks you know I do know that word <laughs> um, so yeah we opened the station then um, in it's been 2009. Almost ten years now right? yes which is um, it's hard to believe I, yeah the 1990s feel like it was yesterday so um the station opens in 2009 uh and then after that we pursued um we still we did a garden renovation project so while that was a thing of the 80s in um the 2011 time frame we acquired three garden style apartments apartment buildings that were at risk of being sold their owner had gone into financial hardship so we acquired and renovated those with assistance um, from the city. Two of them were renovated in 2014, and then um, we're currently in the process of finishing the last one right now. That's
1: great. You know what I think is really interesting about the timing here is that in the 80s and 90s, the city was involved in you know, acquiring these garden apartments and preserving the units. And then right around the time the Housing Development Corporation was created, there was a lot of different stuff that was going on with the topic of affordable housing. There was also the penny set-aside that was done like right around the same time as the Housing Development Corporation was created. And also the city made a very smart hire with Helen McElvain, who came oh. aboard the city right around that same time period. Uh, and she came from Arlington, where she pioneered something that in the industry they call stuff on top of stuff. Yes. Right? <laughs> Helen, talk about your time in Arlington before you came to Alexandria and this concept of stuff on top of stuff.
4: Thank you, Michael. Um, sure, I was with a, a nonprofit called the Arlington Partnership for Affordable Housing, and we acted as the developer for the ba- uh, First Baptist Church of Clarendon. And uh, the idea for that project, uh, of course, it was right across from the Clarendon Metro st- uh, Station and what had once been the tallest building in that part of Arlington with the church steeple.
1: Very controversial um, too. There was a lot of pushback from the neighborhood residents, right?
4: Several lawsuits, mm-hmm. um, uh, more than pushback. Um, but uh, the church wanted to do something. It, it saw that the housing uh, crisis in Arlington and wanted to respond to needs of neighbors and uh, was facing issues with the, the church facility, frankly. It had an aging con uh, congregation, and the church was no longer accessible or had never been accessible. So they looked at plans to add housing above the church. And uh, interestingly, they were uh, willing to um, take down the whole church, but the community was very attached to the steeple. So the steeple survives to this day, but they replaced uh, the worship space and they built uh, 10 stories of affordable housing on top. So
6: and
1: created a model that's now being replicated all over the country yes. and in several places in Alexandria.
0: stuff-on-top-of-stuff stuff model, yeah. right? Yeah. But isn't, isn't the more modern term, and isn't it really now called or referred to as density? meaning is like a density strategy to, to, to decide how much stuff on top of stuff will well, be built and what the toleration is right in the neighborhoods for wanting more stuff?
4: Well, I think it's <laughs> the reality in a place like Alexandria that has very little land that's right. not mm-hmm. already built. So you have to think much more creatively about going up because yeah. that's you have development rights above you know uh, uh, one-story projects. And I think this was just it was not only smart to think about how can we combine two, big city needs, Uh, but I think it was also because of uh, being in Potomac Yard and and being a project where Mm -hmm. we did really a lot of outreach and uh, brought the public in, and then for a very long time was the only building. I think it really helped people see affordable housing differently Mm -hmm. and say, Housing should be lots of places, and it can be co-located with lots of other uses.
1: You know, Eileen, it's interesting your comment about density and, Mm -hmm. you know, the concerns people have about too much density. You know, on the Agenda Alexandria stage, we had a realtor, Steve Hayes, from Berkshire Hathaway, and he talks about this issue of people's concerns about growth and development, and is Alexandria being overdeveloped, essentially, and he had a very interesting perspective on that.
6: I grew up in upstate New York, in Binghamton, New York is where I'm from. Binghamton, New York has 150,000 residents, in 1980 B- Binghamton, New York had 300,000 residents. Every time I go, my dad worked for IBM for 30 years, there was a big IBM presence there. Every time I go home to visit friends or family that are there, it's depressing. This is a, it's an area that is completely like fallen off the, the grid. It's, there's no development, there's nothing, there's nothing going on there. When I see cranes everywhere on the skyline, to me, that's like that's that's a happy thing. That's a good thing. Change is good. Growth is good. The alternative of, you know, I went to where my dad used to work. The IBM plant is vacant. There's nothing there. Blocks and blocks of buildings where there's nothing happening. I mean, to me, that's depressing. Like, I see the growth as an opportunity. It's something that's positive. We should... We shouldn't be afraid of it. it. Yeah, we don't necessarily, there there could be negative aspects to it as well, but overall, I just see that see it as, if, if it's planned out properly, that it's a good thing.
1: And there I, is a whole lot of growth going on right yeah. now. At this very moment, as we speak, there is all kinds of development that's happening all across Alexandria, where um, this, the city is accomplishing this goal of creating new affordable housing units, uh, working with the mm-hmm. Alexandria Housing Development Corporation, with working with other nonprofit developers like AHC, Wesley Homes, uh, that project there, station of Potomac Yard, is really a turning point in the sort of the history of affordable housing. Gone are the days when the city was trying to get its hands on a bunch of old garden apartments to renovate them. Now the city is building its way out of the affordable housing uh, crisis with places like the the carpenter shelter right mm-hmm. uh, This is one of your projects right so the, the, uh, This is eight point eight million dollars of city money so You know, uh, that penny set aside no longer exists, but now we get money from the restaurant Mm -hmm. diners, right? Very controversial. Uh, Very controversial, but this is where all that money is going. Projects like The Bloom, right? Talk a little bit about what's happening at this site that our listeners are gonna be familiar with, the Carpenter Shelter. What's going on there?
5: Yeah, so um, for those who are familiar with Carpenter Shelter, fantastic organization. They do incredible work. Their building was a 1970s DMV in a highly developing, high-opportunity neighborhood. Um, And so they caught into conversation with AHDC about what to do to to preserve this location, to look at the long-term future of what they're going to do, and in addition, maybe get into a building that's purpose-built for a shelter's needs and not a former DMV. So um, they're working with us, and what we're going to do, they have the move right now, so they're located in Macy's over at Landmark Mall that had a lot of publicity this past summer. And then we are tearing down their existing shelter. We're going to build a new one in its place. It'll be a purpose-built shelter, uh, new administrative offices, new facilities, new kitchen with underground parking. So we'll better use the land space there for them. And then um, on top of that, we're adding 97 units of affordable housing. And this partnership was really naturally born because the homeless um, homeless serviceness providers is really attached to affordable housing. These two issues co-locate with each other very naturally so we have the 97 units of housing 10 of which will be reserved for former carpenters residents who will continue to get wraparound care Um, and then they will be standard leaseholders of AHDC but they will receive services from carpenters as well in addition to other shared amenities that we're looking at so this is kind of a a really big one that we have right now going on in, in North Old Town and really getting a chance to keep carpenters in that high opportunity area Add affordable housing to this really great location as well, just a stone's throw from Braddock Road right on Route 1, uh, as the rest of the area is really starting to grow and develop as well. Definitely.
0: So I think that's terrific, and that's, that project has gotten a lot of attention, which uh, is understandable because, like you said, Kayla, the Carpenter shelter has done such a great job being a partner with the city. But my question is, Kayla, and... Mm-hmm and Helen. So, you know, you say 97 units are going to be built, um, at the new carpenter's shelter and, um, I, uh, the, the number of uh, units that were built at Potomac yard and the fire station. My question is, I know that since 2000, we have lost, Alexandria's lost 90% of its affordable housing like it had at that point in time
4: of its market affordable housing these were regular apartments that had no uh you know restrictions on them
0: and the other statistic that I just thought was so interesting was that uh since then we've lost 16,000 homes uh or or residences that is the what is comparable to the entire population of Falls Church uh, at Falls Church City I just think is so fascinating so my question is 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 there some tally that someone is keeping where, okay, we've lost this many, we're building this many, when will we know when we get there? Right.
1: The answer right. to your question, Eileen, mm-hmm. is that there is a goal the city created mm-hmm. uh, about five years ago, and the city is not meeting that goal, right? right. It's, it's about, uh, I think, about halfway toward meeting. Well, in, in terms of where the city thought it was going to be five years ago, it's only accomplished about half of that it has
4: although we have many more units several hundred units in the pipeline that are approved and in very i mean right now in the city we have the Lacey court renovation Mm -hmm. we have ramsey homes the Mm -hmm. arha property uh that's being uh constructed right now we have carpenter shelter we have the gateway gateway of king and beauregard Mm -hmm. and we have the spire which was just approved and then in a couple of weekends city council was unanimously approved at planning commission last night but we'll have the farlington Presbyterian church uh, redevelopment so we've got a lot going on uh, but you're right Michael our target when we did the housing master plan in 2013 was new affordability and 2,000 units by 2025 sort of the horizon year for the housing master plan which is about
1: 200 units a year right
4: it's about 200 units a year and uh, when you talked earlier about increasing the uh, tax rate on a restaurant meal That was partly because we realized we would need additional financial resources just to meet that target. Mm -hmm. Um, I did want to say, when you mentioned the city's investment in Carpenter shelter, first, when we uh, participate financially, it's a loan that is repaid over time. Um, It's repaid over a long time, so it's not... uh, you know, we continually need to find resources for housing because uh, these are 40-year loans and mm-hmm. typically there are opportunities before the 40 years, but it's it's repaid to the city over a long time and will be uh, resources. But we're just one of the investors in these projects. I yes. think Carpenter Shelter is about a $50 million project. Yes. And so our $8.8 million is leveraged many times over with... Tax credit equity with uh, private financing, so and the uh, state and national housing trust funds as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's our first Alexandria pro- uh, project to get some some new funds that were competitively awarded. Mm-hmm.
1: So one of the other really exciting developments in the affordable housing world is another one of your projects, Kayla, mm-hmm. the uh, Gateway Apartments out in yeah. the West End. Talk so uh, that actually merges a whole bunch of stuff yes. together, mm-hmm. including transit. More stuff and, on top of stuff. stuff yeah, on top of I stuff. mean it's stuff on top of stuff on top I'm of stuff on it. top of it. stuff. <laughs> Uh, to talk about what's happening, this, yeah. this exciting development on the west end of Alexandria.
5: So the the gateway development is um, it's at King and Beauregard, really close to the Arlington, yes, the Arlington switch. And um, what that's going to be is seventy four units of housing for us on top of ground level. It'll be office, retail, fast casual. There's a Harris Teeter fast in casual. the works. Uh, I think that's Chipotle. Oh God! Yes, it. thank you. <laughs> I didn't know that was
0: called fast casual.
5: I'm, I'm hoping it's a Chipotle. I need one closer to me. But um, so it'll be, we'll, we'll be adding 74 units of housing above uh, ground level retail mm-hmm. options. In addition to, um, there will be other market rate properties and office space within this entirety, entire development, um, in addition to underground parking. And then the exciting thing is it's planned on the city's West End Transitway. So it really kind of ties into um, when we're talking about adding more people and adding more units, and as we develop, being smart and managing and adding this development onto a location that will increase transportation options for the people who are living there. Um, We're actually looking forward to one of the planned amenities we have for this building will be transit screen technology, so our residents will have access to um, bus schedules and metro schedules in the lobby of the building. very excited about that. But, um, yeah, so the Gateway is it's really a partnership with the market rate developers who are there in addition to um, the transportation elements and everything that's coming into play.
4: And I would say Kayla brings up a point. We're always looking to tweak our policies to maximize opportunities mm-hmm. for affordable housing and the whole parking issue is yeah. one that uh you know we we realized that we were putting a lot of money into underground parking because it's a city requirement typically mm-hmm. and people Which, who by live the way
0: that but that requirement has been scaled back quite. that's right bit. it's been
4: right-sized because right. we realize mm-hmm. the people who live in affordable housing own and use cars very differently from yes. for most people and so when you look at you even know ut- older people <laughs> <laughs> utilization <laughs> rates i mean it's it's generational but yeah. it's also um you know whether people want to uh bear the expense of owning right. and uh maintaining vehicles and insuring them when we have so many transit options so it's something we've seen dramatic shifts in
1: now we could talk about the subject of affordable housing all day <laughs> but that sounds um, like a
4: good day it
1: does sounds like a good day <laughs> sounds um, like but every. for for the purposes of our conversation, we probably need to wrap it up. I want to end on a an urban legend, an urban legend about affordable housing, mm-hmm. which involves the station of Potomac Yard, which is a fulcrum in our discussion about affordable housing because it really changed the city's approach to affordable housing. And uh, Helen knows exactly what I'm about to say. <laughs> the urban legend involves the design of stuff on top of stuff being drawn on a cocktail napkin. Is this true, Helen?
4: (laughs) I'd like to think it is. Um, I I have to say the concept for the station actually occurred a couple of weeks before I joined the city in 2006. So the cocktail uh, napkin story has been repeated to me. Um, now, and, was it so a cocktail
1: is, napkin like at Landini Brothers, where they were having yeah. martinis? Well, that's,
4: that's the only part of the story I, you know. It was there, a cocktail napkin. There involved. are not many city events that involve cocktails or napkins. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, I think the fact that the project has turned out so well and, you know, is just such a creative uh, idea. We have many, many people who like to claim that they were uh, behind uh, the idea. And so I like to think of it as, you know, uh, political, our, our elected leaders, uh, the project managers from Potomac Yard, and uh, other smart people. I The way the story uh, goes is that when the first uh, plans for Potomac Yard actually came in, and there were so many muse style townhomes, um, there were uh, both anecdotal and sort of remarks among the, the staff reviewing it saying, it's going to be very tough for our Uh, fire engines to navigate these narrow streets, and that's going to impact response times. And the developer said, well, what if we gave you land for a fire station here? And the city jumped on it and then said, and what other, just as you said, uh, happened at the Chamber of Commerce event, uh, smart people said, well, we shouldn't just build a one-story fire station. What else can we do with this land and this building? And uh, so I am still looking for the cocktail napkin. I do have, uh, as a result of our conversation a few months ago, uh, I did get uh, one of the early drawings, but I will say it, it was not the cocktail napkin. <laughs> and, and I think I'd like to... I think I remember that I actually saw something, maybe not a cocktail napkin, but sketch paper with an early rendering.
1: Mm. That's not as good of a story. It's not as good mm, okay. of a story. So I'll, I'll
5: draw on a cocktail napkin, <laughs> and we can hide it in a file somewhere. I've
4: thought of... Tr- getting, you know, the person who, uh, uh, as I understand, Al Cox, who is uh, still with the city and is our historic preservation manager, was uh, in an architect role at that time. And I definitely saw some of Al's early drawings and um, could believe that someone would have viewed those as a cocktail napkin. But it's
0: -hmm. a great great story. It is a great story. I think the moral of the story, too, Michael, might be that um, perhaps with more cocktails, we'll get more affordable housing.
4: and (laughs) and and work well i think the other thing that that project speaks to is when the city acts entrepreneurially how cool that can be because many of the things that sometimes hold us back were you know we we were told go do this and make it happen and it was a very exciting time
1: you have been listening to the on the agenda podcast a production of agenda alexandria Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening.
4: Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you. Thanks very much.